Adrian Young is an American composer, arranger and producer, looking back in time in order to move music forward. Adrian focuses on production techniques of the late 60s and early 70s, recording music in his fully analogue studio in Los Angeles. You're tuned in to Roots to Grooves. Roots to Grooves with me, Jay Purcell, and me, Jesse Quigley. Hey, What's everyone. up, everybody? Yeah. Yo, good to be here. Seattle, Washington, Signal Radio. Yeah. We're back here again. Jay, who are we talking about? Adrian Young. Oh, yes. Yes. Adrian a, Young. A uh, composer, arranger, music producer, multi-instrumentalist based out of Los Angeles, USA, in case you didn't know where Los Angeles was. It's in California, Jay. Where's that? Did you already say that? It's in the USA. Is it? Yeah, in the, um, in, in the USA. I think they make movies and stuff there. I don't know. Okay. It's a crazy town. Is that where Hollywood is? Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Bollywood? I don't know. Hollywood. Yeah. Adrian Young. Yeah. Here we are, talking so, about him today. This guy's a, he's a prolific guy. He, he does... Um, a lot of stuff. I don't know if we'll have time to get to all of the stuff this guy's created. He's on yeah, yeah. soundtracks. Mm -hmm. He's he his music is hip hop. It's soul, mm -hmm. retro, yeah. funk, jazz, yeah. psychedelia. Yeah, all kind of mix yeah. match on on many different projects. Working with many different prolific artists. Yeah, right now he's he's very prolific. If you haven't heard of him, um, I think probably the most sort of mainstream. Uh, ex interaction that most people might have come across of him without knowing it is the soundtrack for luke cage which is the marvel series on netflix oh, i didn't um, know he did that yeah he, oh, did, nice. he did the music for all of that those first two seasons and i'm foreshadowing again because we'll get we'll get into how that came to be a little bit later but um yeah adrian young he's like a solo artist producer multi, yeah multi-instrumentalist Recording engineer. Yeah. Entrepreneur. Yeah. Lawyer. He's an attorney. Yeah. He's an entertainment attorney. As well. He's a law professor. He's a law professor as well, yeah. At, Teaches people. He got his degree from American College of Law. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so this he's 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 smart, you know. He knows what he's doing. He has his head yeah. in the game. This guy's real smart. And um yeah, to 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 kick back to the very beginning, his uh family is from the Caribbean originally. Mm-hmm. Um, and he grew up in LA and LA is where he calls home still to this day. And, um, he, uh, first got into music. He said his parents weren't musical, but that, it, but it, he always heard music growing up. It was always a thing, you know, and, he always had a little bit of interest in it for sure. Yeah, and back in that time, it was stuff like, uh, Prince and Michael Jackson and mm -hmm. run DMC. He said his parents also played a lot of reggae in the house right? as well. I think being Caribbean. I think I remember a story I heard him say he was in a, a record shop. It was like the first time he and his brother went to buy a record. And I think his, his brother, little brother, maybe um, bought the bought a Prince album. Uh, I don't know if you know that uh, which album it was. No, I don't know. No, I don't remember. No. But he bought his little brother bought a, a Prince album and then he got the Michael Jackson's Thriller. OK. And that was, I think, the first album that he bought. Mm. So I think yeah. I think he said He's always been a little more partial to Michael Jackson as opposed to Prince for that reason. Yeah, yeah. But no, respects both artists. Yeah, definitely. So, um, 
I mean, this guy's he's um, some of his influences, Portishead. Mm. I think that's how you say it. Um, yeah. Morricone. I don't know that guy's first name. An- Aninio, Aninio Morricone? Yeah, it's yeah. Not, I didn't even put it because I didn't want to say it. Sound, I don't know how to say uh, it. Soundtrack composer for a lot of Western movies, a lot of those old. Uh, there you go. Clint Eastwood movies. And yeah. Stuff like that. yeah. Cool. Um, uh, Air, the band Air, another influence. DJ Premier. Um, Bilal, who he's worked with, yeah. Ali Shahid from yeah. Tribe Called Quest, yeah, who he's also collaborated with, yeah, and, and um, uh, Ali, uh, ooh, I can't say his whole name, the guy from uh, <laughs> Tribe Called Quest, and uh, Raphael Sadiq as well, yeah, yeah nice. Um, who's another cool artist that I'd love to talk about in the future? Absolutely, yeah, he's dope. I didn't realize until researching for Adrian Young that um, Raphael Sadiq used to be in a group called Tony, 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 which uh, I looked at their Wikipedia page briefly just for a second and they look like a, they look like a 90s R&B boy band. <laughs> <laughs> so that's something to get into at another point. But um, Sure. Um, so, yeah. I mean, this guy's, he's a killer. He's, he's yeah. won two Grammys. Yeah, maybe more as far as I know, but he won a Grammy in 2002 for Hey Baby, his track Hey Baby for best pop performance uh, by a duo or group with vocal. Mm-hmm. And for two, in 2003, Underneath It All for the same best pop performance by duo or group with vocal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he's won some Grammys. You know, mm-hmm. He's worked with a lot of great artists. So he's at, you know, he's at a high level of, of uh, work ethic. Yeah. So I would say like his musical style and his everything that he does right now is very old school sounding. It sounds like legit funk and soul out of the era back in, in the and late 60s. Not only does it seven. sound like it, but it, it truly is. It and, truly is. And that's I think that's one of his main, yeah. his kind of mainstay of where he's coming from for what he wants to create is he's... Um, like he said, he said himself, he he looks backward to to move forward. Yeah, and I think that's super cool. I mean, we can get right right into it. His, it's amazing to me. His studio is fully analog. Yeah, he no, has no computer no in his computer, studio. Yeah, yeah. And he you love that, right? Because you hate computers. <laughs> I hate computers. So I'm all about this guy. Uh, not that I know how to use that kind of technology. Yeah, that's true. Also, yeah. But I'm sure it's a little bit more. You know, kind of hands-on and yeah. you, you get what you got yeah, when you yeah. get it. Yeah. As opposed to, where do I save this? How do I... Does it have to be a WAV file or a MP3? Or, you know, How do, do I have export to convert- this from the tape machine? That's, yeah, no. Oh, man. It's, it's rough. But, I mean, amazing. Yeah. So this guy, I mean, he he's not... He wants to... He's influenced by particularly, I think, um, music from, from 1968 to 1960. 19- 73 or so yeah he specifically, specifically says that he said that more than once right specifically those years which is the, cool like yeah. the 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 latter part of the 1960s kind of psychedelia mm-hmm. and the 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 um well i don't know the the early influences of where hip-hop is today yeah where a lot of the hip-hop artists are taking samples and breaks yeah, yeah. um from those particular le- years yeah and, and it's, it's cool to know because I've been like really just influenced by the similar types of sounds that Adrian is into, but unknowingly and unwittingly, like basically through other artists that have 
sampled from that era. Yeah. And and I think he's done his deep research and and he's identified those years, 1968 to 1973. Like, that's my jam. That's the era of when uh, all of these, he said when the recording equipment was at his best, analog best, and also when like a lot of people were starting to experiment more with like psychedelia, different textures, mm-hmm. stuff like that, and creating new soundscapes that would go on to like influence other music right after those years kind of thing yeah yeah Yeah. so super cool how he's looking back i mean we could start where i guess in the 90s he started uh he was in a band yeah and uh, i didn't find out too much about the band but it was in the 90s and it was uh i don't know they were i think they were using sampling and and live instrumentation yeah i'm not sure i didn't find anything out about that yeah i didn't either i couldn't even find the name of it yeah um all I know is that he, I mean, he was super young, late sort of early teenage years, yeah. probably around 16 years old or something yeah. like that. And, um, and even at that time, he was really serious about music himself. And he said that they split up, his band split up because he said they all just like to smoke weed all the time. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, and he was like, yeah, you come into like the studio, you come to practice. We can do some. And they were like, yeah, I'm just going to meet my weed dealer and stuff like that. And, <laughs> and he was like, okay, I'm done. Like he was just like, he wanted to, I think from that on, like really try and figure out how he could make music himself so he didn't have to rely on other people. Kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, yeah. And that's one thing um, that I remember you specifically telling me when we were having some discussion off, off air how it's important to to maintain your own responsibility and not organize yourself in your creative process to where you're not dependent on other people yeah. and not putting any responsibility on others for yourself to progress. Yeah. And he took that on himself. Yeah. And so I mean he I think that was kind of the end of that band and yeah. he was like I need to do this myself. He literally started to t- teach himself how to play these different instruments yeah. so that he could create it himself. And create what he wanted to create by himself. Yeah. So, yeah. And like, so what you were saying about that. Yeah. I've always believed that, you know, I've witnessed people throughout my life where they're always waiting some for someone else and, and before they can move forward. And, and yeah. that was something that I just from very early on and from a young age realizing and witnessing that, yeah, you just, uh, it's not a good way to be in for anything in life right yeah you know is uh you you've always got to be able to move forward yourself and um yeah and and you know he realized that and uh and i think so what happened with with that is he his very first foray into music was sampling as well like so many of the other artists we've talked about Mm -hmm. and um and that came out of him listening to artists like uh wu-tang clan rizza he even mentioned DJ mm. Shadow as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. And um, so he started with an MPC as well. I have one of these as well. The MPC, the yeah, famous MPC. We're going to bring it in, to, uh, get it on camera Actually, one of these days. You should bring it in, yeah, for sure. Uh, he had that. He also had an 8-track tape machine. Mm. Porter Studio, Tescan Porter Studio. <clears throat> and he, he used to just make music that way, just trying to sample stuff and bring it in to the MPC, make some stuff, record it onto his four track, eight track tape recorder. And that's how he started. And um, so he's, um, he, he totally supports sampling music. Yeah. 
and that's where he came from. That's where a lot of his influence came from. And he, he yeah. obviously respects that a lot. Yeah. Although in his early days, he kind of moved from that and decided that I want to make music without samples. I want to create it how they created it. Yeah. Literally the same exact way with the same equipment that they used back in the day. Literally some of the literal same equipment. Yeah. Um, and he built a studio along along those lines. Yeah. And from that that point, he's he's known for and he he takes pride in creating stuff, you know, fully analog and and real instrumentation with real artists, yeah. specifically not sampling anything. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like um, I, there's like many things I've heard him talk about the reasoning for all of that. Right. Um, like um, so from his own perspective of of making music. Like I say, he was doing the sampling thing. And then he started uh, listening to the source material, like the original records that a lot of the other groups that he was really into, Tribe Called Quest, Wu-Tang Clan, were mm-hmm. sampling from. And he listened to that, and he was like, oh, this is this is interesting. And I think his, his ear went from, you know, being inspired by hip-hop to listening to where hip-hop came from and being like, oh, that's... Uh, well, that's what so, all, all these prominent artists are drawing yeah, their yeah. influence from. Like, let's just go straight to that yeah. zone and, and create in that area. Yeah. And he said, like, um, he was so, he said it hit him more than the hip hop he was listening to. And he also said that he stopped listening to hip hop around um, like 1997 um, because he felt that, um, I think that was also around the time where things were going from analog to digital. And even the early hip hop stuff was done analog, analog sampling right. or old machines onto tape, and then released as records. Mm-hmm. But then around like the early nineties is when things were shifting. Technology was getting better, and he said that the hip hop kind of you know hip hop was supposed to be um, a subculture, an underground, you know. And he said that that's what he really liked about groups like Tribe Called Quest because they were they were getting mainstream success but they were still musically uh, creating interesting sounds and, and using samples from really interesting groups from back in like the, the funk days, you know, and yeah. stuff like that. 60s, 70s. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, and he said like hip hop for him kind of went into two directions and like the rap stuff kind of took its, its own life form. And that's where he said he sort of started to not really sort of be so interested in like the rap superstars and and that whole thing he was like more drawn to like the origins of early hip-hop and the music and what they were sampling and then yeah and then going back and checking out these things and so long story short he he realized that he didn't want to sample anymore and he wanted to be able to like make music from scratch Mm -hmm. with real instruments i think that's super cool and i I super support that and i I don't have a problem with with the idea of sampling yeah like it's obviously we've, we've talked about it a lot actually in previous episodes right like yeah launches uh dj shadow mm-hmm. even tori and Moi as well yeah totally yeah. and yeah. that's great it's a it's a it's certainly an art form in itself mm-hmm. um but there for me personally there is something about creating it like creating a, a baseline just from your head mm. and 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 recording it and putting it together and making a cool sound when it's all together yeah and I don't know, I just, I just, I really like that. So I respect him for, for making that decision because it's certainly harder to do. He's not using Pro Tools. He's not using a computer. He's doing it exactly the way they did it in the 60s, 70s. Yeah. And, and literally just doing it the same way. 
Yeah, and that, <laughs> I think that was like the other part of his inspiration as well is he would listen to these old records and he'd hear a sample or something that could be a sample. And then once he'd heard that, like whatever it was, like it's a guitar riff sort of thing, in his mind before before that phrase had finished in the song, he was already imagining where it could go, you know? Right. So he was hearing a part and then imagining where it could go. And then he heard <laughs> where the track did actually go and he was disappointed because he was like, oh, okay. And so it was like, and then he said it was at that point when he started feeling that way, he realized mm-hmm. that maybe he should be creating music because he's he's hearing ideas and seeing where they could go not hearing it happening in the music he was listening to mm-hmm. even though heavily inspired by it sort of thing and so that, i think that was a very pivotal moment for him and deciding to pick up instruments and um and sort of do that create samples and see where it could go the evolution of it kind of thing yeah. totally yeah high level yeah. of respect for this guy yeah, to yeah. do something that's arguably more difficult or at least tedious yeah as far as uh studio time goes and 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 having to organize real people to come in and record stuff yeah um as opposed to working on a computer and sampling anything from online and building it that way yeah. again it's just two different worlds yeah. but he chose to go this one route yeah um i think it's super cool you know to each their own yeah uh, well and like so yeah the analog thing is um is partly his own where he's coming from sonically what he likes to hear Mm -hmm. but also he said that you know when the advent of early digital technology was coming around you know he uh there were these like digital ways of recording music and and he was like oh wow you don't need to buy tapes anymore great so he went he said he went to a guitar center he took his uh his porter studio eight track thing in there and he swapped it out and and uh for a a, a fostex hard drive digital recorder kind of thing mm-hmm. that's what he called it was and he took that home and he started making music of it and he was making music of it and then he like listened back to the recordings and he was like mm. like what's what's going on mm. here he thought he was doing something wrong so he like you know tried to do re-record a few things and right. stuff like that and it was like it's still not sounding right it's like i don't get it like and it was too crisp. It was too digital. Like all the soul of the recording had been sucked out of it because it's yeah. like pristine sounding. And that's what he realized. And he was like, so he went, he went back to the guitar center and uh, returned the machine he bought. <laughs> and got his back. And got his back. <laughs> and, that's awesome. Uh, and then from that point on, he's moved on from uh, the multi-track cassette tapes to uh, like the the... Like what's now eventually i think they call it a two inch tape kind of thing um sure. 16 tracks sort of stuff um and yeah for him it's all about the sonic quality and it's kind of like the parallel for this is like movies as well like going from like filming on actual movie stock to like the hd cameras that, and digital cameras that they use now yeah like you can see that like a lot of the modern movies that you see especially some of those netflix ones where they like, like everything else about seems right. Like it's a period film or whatever. Like they got the lighting right. They got the makeup right. Mm-hmm. Everything's right, but there's just something missing. And it's that quality of the image. Like right, you know, the the real film. Yeah, and and, and the, the, the grain and the grittiness. Yeah, like, it, it gives it a little bit more of a different depth. Yeah, 
um, a different warmer feel. Yeah. And I, and same in audio. Yeah. He he can hear that. You can hear when it's like a real person playing, real people in a room playing together. It's a little bit of a different vibe, and it's sometimes difficult to hear if you're not super well versed with movies and audio and yeah digital as opposed to analog yeah. um but the more you look into it the more obvious it is yeah. and today you know still to today 2020 it's it's an ongoing conversation and kind of debate within the movie world and the audio world yeah and you know it's all good to each their own like i said it's just different ways of different modes of working towards the same goal unfortunately though i feel like it's more of a debate in the film world than it is in the music world mm-hmm. i feel like in the film world like it's been about 50 50 like shooting on traditional film versus digital whereas music has gone all digital like for for a very yeah. long time and like yeah recording music on tapes is like something that's very rare adrian young obviously does it and embraces it i know that jack white does it as well this way does he yeah he doesn't like to use computers he likes to record it all on tape as well um Sounds like Jack White to me. Yeah, but a lot of musicians, you know, are not doing it. A lot of musicians record, use all the computers, um, and sometimes bounce things down onto tape to get right. that sound or whatever. So there's many different things. routes, yeah, yeah, pathways you can go using yeah. both. Yeah. So you know, but I will the, say though, I do. Uh, that was the one thing that really uh, jolted me. Uh, in making music going from the transition of tape to computer it's like i actually really hated seeing the music like i re- i really don't like seeing a computer monitor with the waves right because you're because then i feel like you're just playing tetris and you're not listening to the music you know? yeah it's yeah it's too visual and <laughs> yeah. you're not as much using your ears you're like trying to see where the bars line up and where things should cut in instead of actually listening to it like it's yeah. very distracting it is totally distracting for me you know? yeah I, I can totally see that yeah um yeah either way is is there's no wrong way no there's no wrong way is the cool thing i mean good music is music and however you approach it is good and yeah, and specifically for this episode, Adrian Young has, has chosen to banish all computers and all modern technology from his studio. Banished. Banished. No computers, and it's all tape, and it's all old-school microphones, old-school gear, and real instruments. That's cool. And, uh, and one last thing I want to say about this, because this is a really heavy part of his, uh, his sound, I think. No, totally. It's very important. Um, as he was saying about also the decision to do be analog like this as well, as he said, it's more human. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no machine between you, him playing what he's playing, and you hearing it. There's no machines involved. It's all, it's all organic. It's all live, and there are mistakes in there, but the mis- the mistakes are part of it, and, and that's interesting as well yeah. because someone like King Cruel, who we talked about, he doesn't, he uses computers and all that, mm-hmm. but but he's embracing the human aspect in a different way by um leaving his imperfections in his tracks i think so you know? still trying to incorporate that human yeah. so like you say like there's no wrong way or right way yeah i think it's just all you know for adrian the analog studio world is part of his his sound his aesthetic his approach mm-hmm. how he wants to be heard and what he wants to create yeah, so, if, yeah. If, if if that's what you're inspired by go that route yeah if it's easier for you to conceptualize and build these ideas then get a computer and do it yeah. if, if you feel that energy and you want to use analog and you want to get this get an mpc in a four track yeah. do it yeah 
it's all good exactly yeah it's all it's all fun you're gonna learn something yeah. new along the way either way so uh yeah. it's all a journey it's all part of the process no yeah. so i mean i respect him for doing it this way though because i don't know anybody who else who really does that yeah i don't think there's a lot of studios out there today that that don't have computers yeah exactly yeah. so yeah. you know for what that is I mean, he must have a laptop to check his email at least. Though, he gets right? home to go on Facebook and stuff, of course. <laughs> um, he just doesn't use it for music making, but yeah. Yeah. So anyway, you know, he's inspired by music. He's getting his law degree at the American College of Law. He started to learn all these his instruments by himself so he can play them by himself to create this analog aesthetic and be able to record it. Um, so I, I guess the, the first thing that he recorded was the Venice Dawn EP. Mm-hmm. And that came out in the year 2000. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I listen to that. I mean, all his stuff is really good. It's all a little bit different. It's, it's pretty eclectic, yeah. but it's, it's, you know, it's jazzy. I guess he, he made it, it's, uh, he made it kind of for an imaginary movie. Yeah. It, like, he, he made it with the thought as if it was going to be a soundtrack for a movie that yeah. didn't exist, but yeah. that was the idea behind it. And inspired by a lot of Italian movie soundtracks is what you said. Yeah. That sonic world came to be from mm-hmm. that inspiration, sort of thing. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, Venice Dawn, yeah. he composed everything himself. Yeah, and um, he, he only released it on CD, one thousand copies, in two thousand, and then that was it. He didn't release anything until two thousand nine. We have another artist here that spent a decade. Yeah, <laughs> two, yeah, two hundred things. Yeah, but. and as far as I know, the Venice Dawn EP is not on Spotify, for example. Yeah, it's not anywhere. There's uh, I've managed to find a couple of uploads on YouTube mm-hmm. of things. Um, the first track actually we played on the show tonight, 1969 organ, was a track that was on that very first release. He and he released it on a, another sort of compilation album mm-hmm. a few years later. That's how we played it today. But right, yeah. and I mean, yeah. I was I was having trouble finding when some of this stuff came out because he had the EP, but then yeah. it's not on Spotify. But he eventually. In 2009, re-released a, yeah. a project called Venice Dawn, something about April. So I think the interesting thing is that he created Venice Dawn with that uh, that inspiration, the movie idea sort right. of thing, and being inspired specifically by Italian film soundtracks. And then uh, he revisited that years later after... So he his next release after that actually was the movie soundtrack for Black Dynamite. Um, yeah that came out in 2008 yeah and uh so after that came out which he actually also produced original music for oh well, yeah we should talk about that for a second yeah. black dynamite yeah but then he sort of came back to the i think it was like kind of a sonic world that he realized that he wanted to extend and and that was his sound mm-hmm. and that type of music like in general like yeah so, so he was definitely on that kind of movie soundtrack yeah, even vibe. even before actually doing soundtracks, he was right. making his own. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. he he made that EP. Um, then I guess you know he was in college. He was working as a professor and stuff, doing stuff, still creating everything. And then, yeah. so I mean, Black Dynamite. It's a it's a movie. It's a comedy. Yeah, I think it's I think it's one of the fifty greatest comedies. Oh really? I yeah. See that? Yeah. I, I don't know what list or something, okay, yeah. but uh, I'll have to find a source on that. But yeah, it's 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 a it's like a homage to black exploitation movies of the seventies. Yeah, so black exploitation recently. Yeah, yeah. it's a fun word, black exploitation. But I mean, yeah. I guess I mean that's the whole thing. There are exploitation films. Yeah, you can look that up, and it's kind of a thing. And back, I don't know. I guess they still do them today. Um, I don't know. 
but it's it's uh i think it's just called porn now maybe <laughs> yeah <laughs> specifically black exploitation is yeah, a genre the, yeah. yeah it's a, yeah it's a genre a exploitation of black people with regard to um stereotypes yeah um of roles yeah. in movies yeah uh, and I guess you know it's exploitation because they're they're you know using it to using it for a purpose to explain something. Yeah, I don't know like where the name really came from, but there were there are a lot of these movies out of the seventies. Um, you know, James Brown did a really great soundtrack to this film called Black Caesar, mm-hmm. um, and uh, original soundtrack he did to that, which cool. I think also was a heavy influence for Adrian Young. Cool. Stuff. Also, Curtis Mayfield did one for, um, uh, I forget the name. I think it was called, well, the song, the lead song on that was Pusher Man. I'm not sure if the, uh, I can't remember the name of the movie off the top of my head, but um, yeah, Curtis Mayfield also being an influence for, mm-hmm. for all this sort of stuff that Adrian Young does kind of thing. Yeah, Totally. So. So that was a, a success, great movie. Yeah, um, still, which he also edited and scored. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's what we said already. But he scored and edited it. So I mean, yeah, I don't know yeah. why why he he got the editing job. Like um, he said, because uh, a certain point in time, Adrian Young was directing ed- editing his own documentaries about hip hop culture and dance music. Okay, that's that's where I yeah. lack my my knowledge. Yeah, and then he. Uh, you know, he met some people that were involved with the Black Dynamite project, and and they were like, "Yeah, well, you you've done film stuff. Do you want to edit this movie?" I think it was Michael J. White, the the lead guy in that movie. Okay, like, called him up and was like, "Do you want to edit?" And he was like, "Okay, sure." <laughs> so he physically edited the film that you see, that you watch, and also composed the soundtrack, which is insane. And he's also a fucking entertainment law attorney. I mean, this guy is just going on all cylinders crazy good shit I mean, so, so i mean yeah. he's starting out of the gate pretty strong yeah yeah he knows what he wants to do yeah. teaching himself his own instruments yeah, yeah taking himself to college yeah. becoming a professor yeah comes out with this ep um scores and edits black dynamite yeah um and so he's 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 kind of off people are starting to know who he is yeah he's kind of building his name yeah and it was um it was the black dynamite soundtrack that really um blew him up Mm-hmm. um in sort of the industry it's kind of his and, inaugural release yeah for a lot of people i guess yeah in the eyes of the public as well kind of thing because i haven't actually i don't think i've seen the film have you seen the film i think i might have a long time ago but i feel like that way as well yeah. without yeah. knowing any of this information so it wasn't as yeah. intriguing to me yeah i feel like i might have seen it but like um yeah the music like really took a life of its own because it wasn't um you know it sounded I mean, I want, we can play a little bit of that, actually. Yeah, like, no, that would be awesome. Let's, people, let's yeah. get into it a little bit, because it sounds like... He, I mean, he, he's obviously trying to make it sound like it's from the 70s. Yeah. For, where this movie is based in that time period, I think. It totally is, yeah. This one is... Uh, I mean, there's so many great tracks on this. Um, I'm going to play this one, uh, Cleaning Up the Streets. Let's clean sound. it up, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, shit. It sounds just like it's coming. It sounds like old music. Like it's from, you know, 40 years ago. Yeah. From all of his analog recording techniques and uh, all the way down to the performance. Everything. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's a a killer. It's a dynamite sound. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It it sounds good, though. It sounds fun. It sounds live. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like you're listening to a band play. 
Yeah. Um, you know, from that time period where the movie's taking place. Yeah. So, I mean, he's creating this cool aesthetic, this cool world. Yeah. Um, to help people fall into the visual aspect of the creation, the movie. Um, so I think you know he's 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 good at 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 looking at that whole kind of round picture of what are we trying to experience. Yeah. We don't need Pro Tools for this. Exactly. In yeah. fact, we do not want Pro Tools for this. Yeah. I mean, it's part of his um his aesthetic toolkit, his toolkit as a musician, is his paintbrush. Yeah. You know, the 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 instrumentation. And the way of record capturing it and recording it as part of his um, arsenal of um, creating music. Yeah, yeah. So I think so. he, I think he gained a lot of momentum from this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, he, people know who he is. Yeah. Um. So then, you know, that came out in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. He came out with Venice Dawn. Yeah. Kind of the same thing. He kind of recreated that Venice Dawn EP. Yeah. Into a, uh, I think he re-recorded everything, or did if did he use some tracks from the original? So he didn't uh so like none of the tracks on this album have the same names at least as the tracks on venice dawn he called it something about april but it was um so, yeah 20, oh. 2012 actually yeah something okay. about yeah. april was what he came up with after 2012 yeah after black dynamite he came up with uh something about april in, in 2012 yeah yeah i think oh. well at least on the on spotify i don't know oh i don't know i have it as, <laughs> as 2009 yeah it could be yeah um but you know and that's his next project anyway which was basically he whether he used some tracks from before or renamed them whatever he expanded on it yeah and 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 he was he was gaining so much momentum at that time that um this this album uh something about april was only three months old only, only been released for three months and jay-z had it sampled timberland and j-rock his producers sampled it for right. a, a Magna Carta release for Jay Z, Holy Grail, Holy Grail, yeah, Magna, was it Magna Carta, Holy Grail was the I, album? I think that's the full thing, yeah, 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 and uh, yeah. So he's already like that's he's that's crea- massive. He's that's- creating this like old school shit, and then like hip hop producers from today are like, whoa, let's I, do I, something on that. He hit oh. the nail on the head. I think that that's like the epitome of what he wanted. Yeah. Like, I think he specifically wanted, like, I want to create things that the hip-hop artists of today are influenced by. Yeah, and but, I think he had the intention while he was making it, like, I want these guys to sample this. Yeah. And he wasn't going around asking people, like, hey, Jay-Z, sample this. No, yeah. You know, they just, they, they heard what it. he did, and they're like, yeah. that's good. There's a lot of good hooks there. There's a lot of good breaks in here. Yeah. We can use this. And it just kind of flowed together nicely. Yeah, he said... um, what Adrian says about his his style is like he um, is uh, wanting to create um, like he's he's recreating the old stuff that he was interested in from sixty eight to seventy three, but with today's hip hop producer sensibilities. Mm-hmm. So he's using like the not the technology but the the outlook and the ideology of piecing together the music from today's uh, hip hop producers upon using like that old school material right. sort of thing so, so it's almost like he's making these banks like hey yeah. yo here's a bunch of stuff that i hope yeah. you guys want to use because <laughs> this is what i'm trying to make so stuff that's influenced yeah. by so instead of like those old tracks where they used to like they had this killer sample which was like one phrase and then it'd go off and do a chorus and do some trumpety things and blah 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 and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. like he's uh he's taken the essence of what he wants and he's like playing it like kind of in a loopy style 
right sort of thing but, but in that old school way yeah. and, and not to get it wrong these songs off venice dawn they're like you can listen to this album on its own and appreciate it for what the yeah, songs yeah, are yeah. individually yeah. and it's good music yeah. you can get into it it's jammable it's super good they're not just it's not just a, a bank of loops you know yeah. um you know it's fully fledged songs created by real people in a room and as a way to illustrate this and also uh, doubling up on another restroom break on Roots Grave because uh, I'm sorry, I thought I need to keep going all the time. That's good. <laughs> uh, this is track Sirens I want to play. And this is the track that they uh, uh, got sampled for Jay-Z's song. I think Picasso Baby is, is the track that Jay-Z did, but it was based on this, which had only been out for three months before they sampled it. And it sounds super old, but... Let's jam it. Yeah. Mm. There you go. And he played every instrument on that. Crazy I mean, it, shit. It's impressive. <laughs> I mean, this guy's on drums. He's on bass. He's on, yeah. I think there's a Mellotron in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of... Uh, stuff going on there they're just like truly embracing i'm going to do it exactly how they did it back in the day yeah to the t literally yeah. the same equipment yeah the same style the same yeah kind yeah. of studio you know that, and that was the other thing he said about the uh doing this is uh that he he wanted to imagine himself going back in time and and being there when these bands were creating this type of music and you know he was like trying to see like what you know what equipment were they using what instruments were they were using how they were composing and arranging the tracks and even what audiences they were playing for because mm -hmm. he said this was like a really for this type of music it was a, a big sort of time for these artists and they were not only creating this music but they were finding audiences and they were doing well and they were right finding momentum <clears throat> within that time period of doing that stuff and and so he yeah like he he wanted to like be like creating that going back and sort of creating a dialogue and then bring it back like a time traveler in a way no it is it's yeah. it's totally you yeah. know again like he says himself he's he's looking back to move forward yeah. and like he's like i'm gonna do it how they did it in the 70s with the same equipment yeah. but i want jay-z and timbaland to sample this and make something new out of it yeah um you know yeah so um so cool stuff yeah. i mean after that i think i know on spotify that was venice dawn something about april was 2012 on spotify at least okay yeah i don't know what i have wrong here but in 2013 um came out with the delphonics yeah so what was interesting to me he he he's working with all these people but the way he releases his albums is he always kind of says adrian young presents yeah colon Here's what I'm presenting. So this one's yeah, which you know, seems a bit misleading because you think it's like, uh, like, is it a mix album? Is it a cover album? Yeah, you just make a Spotify playlist yeah, and release going, it as an album. Yeah, like, what's going on here? <laughs> but I think it's all original material, right? And it's but I mean, because influence. I think it. yeah, I think yeah. he's basically saying I produced this. Yeah. I made this project. I want you to come work on it, and here's what I want to happen. Yeah. But you're playing the drums. You're doing the singing. Yeah. You're playing the organ or guitar or whatever yeah. and i'm kind of organizing this but it's you guys yeah you know so delphonics uh you know acclaimed yeah, yeah. artist band mm -hmm. um are you familiar with them i don't know them like super well 
Um, but I think they're I, pretty well known. I came across a vinyl record of theirs in some store in Seattle and I snapped it up uh, because I recognized the name. And I think the reason I recognized the name is because Quentin Tarantino used Delphonic's tracks on the soundtracks of some of his films. I think Jackie Brown. That sounds about right. I mean, he's yeah. the same kind of guy who wants to yeah. kind of do things the way they, they wanted to do them. Yeah. Old school wise, you know, using real film. Exactly. Yeah. Do it the, the way they did it years ago. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of cool tracks on this. Again, it's, it's pretty jazzy. You know, um, I don't know. I listened to, he has a lot of material. I tried to listen to it as much as I could. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> you can't, there's like so much um, material out there that he's done. He's been extremely prolific since, I mean, since 2008, um, you know, with uh, Black Dynamite ever since then, he's, he's just been on a massive mm-hmm. and cr- crazy pace. Totally. Making tracks. Like, this, you know, making so, albums. Yeah. Um, Adrian Young presents Delphonics came out in 2013, so he he got to work with William Hart of the Delphonics. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so yeah. so like he he brought them in. He didn't know who he was at the beginning. Um, I guess how they got hooked up. They met through Twitter, hmm. and and Adrian said something um, on Twitter like, "Who who likes the Delphonics or do you like this band? Like which band is better, Delphonics or some other band? I can't remember." And uh, somebody who knew William Hart was like, hey, I know William Hart. Here's his contact, whatever. And they got hooked yeah. up like that. And so... Crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So it's, it's kind of cool to see this guy who's like, I'm analog. <laughs> I'm doing things how they did it in the 60s. Yeah. And you know, I'm using but, Twitter. But I'm, yeah, I'm using Twitter <laughs> to hook up with these same guys, like the literal yeah. artists who made things back in that day. Yeah. So kind of a cool um, dynamic. Yeah. Um, I guess... Well, that was there's, something, there's, something else to say, actually, about... Uh, Something about April, I think it was that album where he managed to get a guitarist called Dennis Coffey, I think, playing a lot of those tracks. And he was a session guitarist that worked for Motown in the 60s and mm-hmm. played like on a bunch of hits for like Supremes and mm. everything like that. Nice. And yeah. So another another kind of old school guy he managed to collaborate with back there. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, that's what this guy wants. Like, he, yeah. the, like these are his like influences, like his idols. And he's like, I'm gonna, I want to create something for them, hmm. and now he's getting to work with them. Yeah, and I mean that's amazing. Yeah, like I would love to work with my influences and stuff, and he's made it a reality. But he's done it on both ends because he's done it with those, like the Delphonics and this guy Dennis Coffey. Mm-hmm. But then he's also done it on the other end where with people like uh, RZA, he he's um, collaborated with and um the guy from tribe called quest as well mm-hmm. like you know these were groups he was listening to when he was younger getting into hip-hop and now he's he's collaborating with them as well as as guys from the stuff that these people sampled it's crazy like yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. ali shaheed yeah yeah that's that's the guy yeah from, from tribe shaheed, yeah yeah i mean so just epic. I mean, this guy's yeah. like living his dream at this point. He's like, yes, this is cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm creating new things, being influenced by each other. Like, n- not, not creating things for them at this point, but working with them and being influenced, influenced by each other for this specific yeah. project. Yeah. And, you know, he, he talks a lot about being built up by each other. Like, well, this Delphonics, you know, William Hart's like, he's at this level and I want to bring my production up to this level. And then he's like, oh, well, we should do this. For the vocals for this and they, it keeps leveling up and yeah. being influenced by each other on the spot that's great yeah. just super fun super yeah. great 
awesome yeah. people working together to create things that they couldn't create by themselves, I guess. So they worked together for that whole album, the Delphonics album? I, I think oh. um, William Hart wrote most of the tracks. I think there's oh. 14 tracks on it. Yeah. But um, Adrian Young created the music for it. Okay. Or at least produced it. Yeah. Um, you know, using different musicians and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. As far as I know. If, if anybody's listening knows more about that, I would love to hear it. <laughs> uh, I kind of want to hear some stuff from that. Let us uh, fire it up here in the uh, the old uh, machine. Yeah, please do out of Defonics uh, 2013. You got a track uh, you you want to hear specifically? If you have one, um, I don't. I, I, I like the the number one track, "Stop and Look." Okay, let's play this. Stop and look. And you I like the drums on that one. Yeah, that's a really good track. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I, I thought I knew who did the drums on that one, but I can't remember. It wasn't Adrian? No, I think he had somebody uh, cool on there. What does it say? Um, forget it. I don't know. Uh, I'll think about it later. Forget it. Okay. <laughs> but anyway cool track right yeah i mean that's uh that was really cool yeah uh like just chill but it's got that kind of vibe to it i don't know like mm -hmm. hmm stop and look like i don't know that little drum thing where he's like yeah, yeah yeah he wants to create um timeless music is what he said before um he said he doesn't like trends and he doesn't like following trends and he doesn't want his music to follow trends either. He wants it to be timeless, is what he says. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, you can feel that through all of these things that he that he composes. Um, you know, it's very, um, you know, yeah, you could say old, old school. I think it's only old school because it's like we, we're used to hearing that sort of sound only from artists of that era. And now we're hearing it new. I think it's cool. The older you get, the more yeah. like the seventies isn't that far away. Yeah, not really. Yeah. Time kind of goes faster as you're getting older. Yeah. And like when I was a kid, I was like the seventies. Yeah. That might as well have been four hundred <laughs> years ago. But yeah. now I see it like that wasn't really that long ago. Yeah. And it's kind of amazing to see the 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 progression. Yeah. And how it is timeless and. That's the reason why artists today are still sampling stuff from that time period, yeah. which is why he's drawing all this inspiration to create stuff that sounds like it's from that time period because it is yeah. timeless and it's still influential today. It's still inspirational and you get a lot of energy from that. Well, that's the thing. Like you, uh, as musicians, we're inspired from different eras of music and different times of music, and um, you know, it's, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, you have a lot of different groups that are doing a lot of different things and inspire from different things, like I said. But, you know, even if you think about someone like Tame Impala, for example, he has a vintage sort of sound to the, what he does. Mm -hmm. he's, even though he's using synths and modern sounding yeah. kind of aesthetics. And, but he's another similar artist because he, he, you know, locks himself up in a in a room mm -hmm. with this gear and creates all the music himself right and in a similar way to adrian um using a lot of sort of old school techniques totally because he's influenced by you know a lot of that older sort of sounding stuff as well so 
I mean, especially for Tame Impala, I think it's probably a little bit more influence from that old sort of rock, 70s rock sound kind right. of thing. Um, it's pretty interesting yeah. in, the, in the big scheme of things, in the, the history of the world, from the 50s to the 2050s, mm. this is all taking place basically right now. Mm -hmm. It's very, essentially a short time period in the whole history of the universe. Yeah. You know, so this is all kind of just like, happening right you know, now 60 psychedelia 70s <laughs> funk you know it's it, it is it's still kind yeah. of happening right now and everyone's still trying to figure it out which and is why people today are looking back to that time period that's not that long ago and it's interesting as well because you if you listen to someone like adrian young you wouldn't know about his references if you didn't know about like mm -hmm. you know by listening to him you're entering a new world right of like other things that you can and i think out. he rem I, I remember him saying something specifically about that he, he doesn't want to create like songs or music he wants to create worlds mm. and i i love that i think yeah. he specifically said you know i'm paraphrasing but he said that yeah and that's a beautiful spot to 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 be coming from to make cool music yeah yeah i think that, you know i was taking it to the max to to next level not just i need to put a i need drums i need a bass i made a song <laughs> you know he's like i want to i want people to fall into this world and i listen to his stuff and i'm like this is modern yeah this came out five years ago I mean, this came out, you know, 2013. Yeah. Yeah, he said that, um, that <clears throat> I think he was asked about, like, his audience or who he's making music for kind of thing. And he said that he's kind of making music for people that are appreciators of music and have already kind of explored a lot of things and uh, kind of have a higher standard of sort of, he, he said highbrow kind of art mm -hmm. in a way sort of thing. He also said that he realizes that sounds a bit pretentious sort of thing. I was going to say it sounds almost yeah. pretentious, but yeah. it's coming from a good place. It's coming from a yeah. humble place. Yeah, yeah. And this guy's not just being pretentious. Like he's, you know, back to how we, we said it a million times, like he's using analog equipment. He's doing it the hard way. Yeah. He's not taking any easy ways out. No. And he's he's working with these people who he's influenced by. And taking a lot of time to create this stuff and he's i don't know he's a hard worker and he's not taking the easy way out yeah so i don't know i got nothing pretentious about this guy yeah no. on the side he's super stylish and he, he wears some cool clothes <laughs> he does i i want to <laughs> find out who his tailor is because yeah. i want to get some suits made and I, stuff like that. I think yeah. i was seeing i saw a video and he, you know he he gets stuff wherever he travels oh really like he doesn't yeah. he says he get, he's, he's always in the studio so he doesn't have a lot of time to shop and just go out looking for stuff when he's, you know, in LA. Yeah. But when he's on tour or something, doing something with somebody else in New York, yeah. he'll have a little extra time to, you know, go to the shop down the road and see if there's some cool vintage stuff he can buy. Well, he's got a good eye then because, yeah, he, he dresses super stylish. Yeah, so I, I, I think Ra he's, he's pretty into Ralph Lauren. Okay. They make a lot of cool yeah. um, stuff that he's into. I guess they were pretty big back in the day. So, again, he's kind of looking back. Yeah. Oh, to, yeah. to create his modern style i see yeah. so i mean he's totally enveloped in this kind of looking back to move forward kind of way yeah nostalgia um, and, and everything no, and other artists have done that like daft punk with random access memories kind of they had that same kind of perspective like let's let's create music that it, that was made like mm -hmm. this before with with this kind of modern lens yeah. and it's going to sound new yeah and of course they killed it with random access memories yeah, I feel like a lot of these artists like like them and like Adrian, like they're they're really capturing capturing so well that sound from what they're influenced by. 
it sounds legit to mm -hmm. me. Like that's that's what I hear. Like yeah, like you say, Daft Punk as well. But I think they really captured in that Random Access Memories the mm -hmm. that disco sort of seventies sound. Again, bringing in the artists who developed these sounds like Nile Rodgers. Yeah, yeah. You know, with that cool you know style of guitar and you know yeah. the, the the energy that they bring to the table in the recording booth. Yeah, but there's still something new about it, and I think this, yeah, it's just something really magical about being able to um, reference old stuff bring it into what you're doing now right and, but look upon it from today's perspective sort of thing yeah like, you know bring it through that modern lens yeah yeah totally is, um, like yeah uh, um super great and uh, and the other thing he said adrian said about the way he creates music as well um well two things like one he said is he only wants to make music that inspires other people mm -hmm. like um he says it's great when people come up to him after a show or whatever, and he's like, yeah, it's, I really love your music. Like, yeah. But he said it's even better when someone <laughs> says, like, that's really good. That inspired me to go check out some of these artists or mm -hmm. inspired me to create something like, um, you know. Um, yeah, just through this research, I've been inspired and, yeah. and been learning a lot about all these artists that I didn't know or I yeah. recognized one of their songs but didn't know where it came from. Yeah. Or know a lot of samples that, you know, yeah. artists like Jay-Z is using still today. Yeah. You know, huge hip hop artists and stuff like that. Yeah. And then the other thing he said was uh, he's he's making the music for the audience in his head, <laughs> which I thought was a really <laughs> yeah. interesting concept. So basically, huh. like his outlook is that, uh, you know, whenever he's in the studio creating something, you know, he's got his own filter, his own outlook. Like, you know, is it cool to the audience in his head? Mm -hmm. Like, um and you know and sort of filtering it by that because he said he like he tried you know he, he sort of looked at the careers of other big artists or other artists that have um kind of fallen off and done weird shit and right. not really continued what they were the sound that they're originally creating and he said he he said without fail it's usually been because they lost their way and they usually lost their way because of the the fame that they had created for themselves and um and kind of distorts yeah and instead of like listening to themselves they were like listening to what's hot right now or what are people doing right and now? putting it through like the what do people want to hear lens yeah and trying to do that and, uh, and he said you know he's not trying he's trying to he's always just trying to look to him i know it's kind of a weird way to say it. this is not the way he said it but this is the way i interpret it mm, as um paraphrase kind of I think he's looking to himself to be the inspiration. Like he already knows that he's creating good music in the way that he wants to create it. And then, you know, he's so, I think he's sort of thinking about how he can evolve that, you know, instead of looking, instead of like sitting back and be like, oh, I made all this success. People mm -hmm. like this shit. I'm going to release more of this shit. Or, you know, I can make more money if I do something like this. Yeah, it's like he's more like kind of just trying to. I mean, know, he holds him house. Like he was the last thing I did, and like he, how can I improve upon the last thing I did? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, he holds himself to a high standard. Yeah, you know, ever yeah. evolving. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, let's move on. 2013, 2014. Yeah, he came out with Adrian Young presents. There is only now. Right. And we don't have to go super deep into all this stuff because I wasn't able to listen to all these tracks, but this one's you know, another good one. And it has, um, he, he's working with Ali Shaheed Muhammad again. Yeah. Um, 
William Hart's on this one as well. Snoop Dogg is featured on here. Mm. Souls of Mischief. Um, da, da, da. Who else is on here? I thought there was somebody else I wanted to say. I don't know. But I mean, yeah, he's basically he's working with Souls of Mischief and there's some other features on it and it's some, some more good music. Yeah. Um, you have anything to say about that? <laughs> um, I don't. I, I guess because he's had such a massive catalog, the... Yeah, we're, we're never going to get to all of these songs yeah, or all these tracks. Like the albums that stand out for me are um the one he did here with uh ghostface killer um, oh the 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 Reason- album he created with ghostface yeah reasons to die yeah well, let's move up to that i mean so so the so yeah well just sort of about like that one and then he also did an, an electronic album called the electronic void like I feel like the, these are sort of like pillars for me. Like my pillars for mm-hmm. Adrian Young music are like obviously his very first um, release, which you, if you can hear, I don't know if anyone can hear that. So I guess his first official release on Spotify is Black Dynamite. His first own official release is something about April. Mm-hmm. And then I would say um, that Delphonics album is actually really good. I didn't really come across that. But uh, I would say yeah uh <laughs> well in 2016 came out with the electronic void and that's yeah. basically all him again yeah reasons to die electronic void and then what he's doing now is like the like the pillars and then every and then explore everything in between yeah so let me yeah. let me just go for the audience like so yeah. we got 2013 adrian young presents the delphonics 2014 he works on adrian young presents there's only now with souls of mischief um also 2014 there is only now I guess it's uh, mostly it's remixes from that previous album. Mm-hmm. Then uh, 2016 or 15, excuse me, 15, it comes out with an album called um, Los Angeles, and he's working with mostly Linear Labs, who I think we can talk about it later. But uh, he he ended up naming his studio off that name, Linear Labs. I don't know if there's a connection or something. I think it's a label or a company that he created, right? Linear Labs. So maybe that's the first yeah. thing he released under that. Um, but again, yeah, he's working with, I don't know, Lauren Odin, Ali Shahid, you know, blah, blah, blah. So then uh, 2015, Adrian Young presents 12 Reasons to Die 2. Mm-hmm. And that's where he's working with, you know, Ghostface Kill again, Raekwon, yeah. RZA. Yeah. Um, 2016, Adrian Young presents something about April 2. Mm-hmm. So that's all... Uh, you know, extended off of that first something about April and it's all Adrian Young, I think. Yeah, yeah. As far as I know. Then then we get 2016 also, The Electronic Void. Yeah. And so, yeah, boom, another pillar for me. Yeah. Um, if you're going to listen to, this guy has a lot of albums. <laughs> yeah. I would, so I, would I would listen to like something about April. Electronic Void is one I would definitely pop into. I think because it's like a, a different direction for him. Um, he speaks it's you know it's called electronic void he's using more electronic stuff yeah more synthy more psychedelic more kind of deeply odd and weird even some old school drum machines i think he's using in that yeah that album yeah yeah so kind of like uh you know again looking back to look forward he's using these kind of older school electronic stuff not new school modern 2020 electronic stuff yeah um but super cool dynamic weird album mm-hmm. um i don't know it draws me in a lot yeah the 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 album um, the covers, you know, black and red, so it's kind of, yeah, I don't know, poignant. You know, red is a strong color. Mm. 
<laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. But like, it's let's, it's, let's it's play a track of it. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of it was. Um, so yeah, that album is it even an album? I think there's only like four or five tracks. Might be electronic even. boy. It's no, it's it's fat. Okay. Well, there's a bunch of instrumentals at the end, I guess. Yeah. But it is. But it's it, like 10 tracks and then there's instrumental yeah. stuff after that and it makes it 20 tracks. So, yeah. so it's like, um, it's a strange album because it almost like feels like it's kind of... It's a cool album. It's like weird. It's almost like, um, in a way, it's, it feels like a soundtrack as well. Um, yeah, in a yeah, way, yeah. In a way from like kind of some weird 70s sci-fi movie or something like that. No, it's almost um, like a Daft Punk Tron yeah, soundtrack Tron, yeah it's that sort of thing it's kind of like yeah. that but you know yeah and adrian it, young style yeah and they're and they're all not as um sort of not catchy or groovy like they're all a bit sort of glitchy i think they're all kind of deep cut yeah and like you you you're in a void you're in there you're in yeah. a valley like it's deep yeah. it's black it's red yeah it's dark so i i picked out one track which is kind of probably the most sort of I don't want to say accessible, but like mm -hmm. more sort of uh, groovy sort of track. Totally. Versus the more, yeah. I know you'll pick a good what one, Jay. <laughs> Give it's it to me. Black noise. Give it to me. Here we go. Yeah, that's probably like one of the only tracks from the album that kind of has live-ish drums on it. Um, the it's rest of sick the yeah, if anybody's crazy. listening to this and you're more into like electronic or yeah. more modern kind of things this is where i would start yeah it's it's great it's all like that it's super cool yeah. it's like still kind of got that groovy 60s 70s kind of influence yeah but using more synthy kind of electronic -y yeah, sounds yeah. i mean yeah super cool super cool album i like that one i would yeah i'm gonna listen to that one again for sure yeah probably uh, probably more than i'll listen to any of his other stuff yeah, I mean, I mean, you've got so much stuff out there. You can really sort of pick and choose what world you want to dive into. Mm -hmm. um, like I say, I also want to talk about the Luke Cage thing a little bit as well, um, which was a Marvel TV uh, show. Well, TV as in Netflix, I think, is who did it. And um, it, it's interesting how that came about because uh, he said he... Uh, Ali... Ali Shahid, Ali Shahid, Muhammad. Yeah, he, uh, uh, the I think the director or the producer from um, Luke Cage contacted them both separately, and, and said, "I would like you both to like sort of create some music for the mm -hmm. show." And Adrian said it was kind of funny because they were already working on stuff together. And, really and the guy didn't know that and he'd like contacted them both separately synchronicities and it, yeah and he used to like they had already like been making a bunch of tracks together and so they teamed up and then he said they had various meetings uh, they had like meetings with the guy the people from uh marvel and uh i think when they shot the show they had some sort of placeholder music from other artists like uh curtis mayfield and stuff like that mm -hmm. and uh and uh, he said that um, he sort of convinced them that it was like, no, I don't think you should use any of this music from any of these other people. It's like, I want, I want to create a brand new soundtrack 
in, entirely. Took and, charge. Yeah, and you only use this. <laughs> he, he didn't say it in this way. So <laughs> yeah. But I think it, the way he was coming at it from was from a creative standpoint, saying it would be too sort of disjointed to do that, you know, to just have some of his stuff as in incidental music and then, like, play, like, a hit from Curtis Mayfield sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, instead, like, he wanted to create a cohesive soundtrack for the show. And, you know, to the point of even creating, um, uh, like, a, a sonic world for each character of the show, you know. Right. So he says certain characters would just be, like, roads and drums. Another character would be, like, you know, mm -hmm. flutes. Another character would be, like, drums and bass sort of thing. I like that a lot. That's what yeah. I see when I'm making music. I kind of feel it, like, that kind of visual, stereo, imaginary world. And the, the different instruments are kind of different characters. And they're bringing different stuff to the table. Yeah. That's kind of how I visualize stuff. So I, I relate to that. And I think that's super cool. Yeah. And so he was able to sort of really get them on board with that vision. And then that's what ended up happening. And he scored the entire soundtrack for the first season and the second season, I think. Um, from stuff from Electronic Void? Uh, no, or just brand new. Brand okay, new okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, was that released as an album or anything? Um, I think think there is some Luke Cage soundtracks on Spotify for it that you can listen to. Um, I'm not sure. But the, uh, yeah, but even just watching the show, like you can, like he, he even said like the music is a character and it is a character in that show. I only, I unfortunately didn't watch all of it. I watched like the first sort of half of the first season. I need to go read back and watch it, I think. Come on. But, um, finish what you started. Exactly. But, uh, it was, uh, yeah, like, yeah, that was really cool. And, and something else he said about that in general as well was, I think he was asked, like, what advice would you give to sort of young artists or young people coming up? Um, and he, he really said that you just have to really truly believe in yourself. And that notion uh, and uh, execute on the notion of, uh, of, uh, of just doing it, you know. So if you really believe that you want to do something and do it and execute on that. I think yeah. Adrian is an awesome example of, of manifesting what you want in the world. Yeah. Like yeah. he's like, I'm going to do it this way. Analog the hardest way possible. Yeah. The most difficult way. And I'm going to do it no matter what. Yeah. And he just did it and it was successful. And now he's working with the people who he's influenced by. Yeah. Who yeah. he never thought to work with. I mean, he's always wanted to, I'm sure. Everyone, we all want to work with yeah. our idols and our influences, but not most of us don't get that chance. Exactly, yeah. But he just did it yeah. and, and created his own opportunities, yeah, yeah. which led him to this, yeah. you know, you could say somebody's lucky, but luck is, is about creating your own opportunities. Yeah. You just create the opportunities for things to happen. Mm -hmm. That's luck. Yeah. Create your own luck. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's what I see. No, and I, I truly, I'm on board with that whole vision as well. It's like, you have to really completely believe in what you're doing have conviction in what you're doing mm -hmm. you know and and that was the other thing that you know on a on a kind of separate track of what we're kind of talking about but on a sort of practical business level i think that's kind of what helped him to sort of convince people at marvel for example about what he wanted to do for the soundtrack it mm -hmm. was like he was saying that you know if you really believe in what you're doing and you curate your um your influences and your perspectives and you have a really strong viewpoint about stuff, then I think you can really sort of put that into your work and really communicate that 
and your vision of what you want to do, you know, yeah. as opposed to just like not knowing what you want to do and just being like, um, yeah, sure, I'll score this. I don't know what I'm going to do. And, uh, yeah. You know, like, you know, he's coming into it with like a vision. Like, and I think that's like really bold. And yeah. Really, um, you know, ballsy and but really totally. bold. Yeah. And, you know, to have. He doesn't know what he's going to get and he's not expecting anything, but he's, I'm going to do it this way no yeah. matter what. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. it, it's respectable, you know, yeah. it's honorable. Yeah. He's he's doing it the way he wants it. Yeah. And he's manifesting what he what he's been able to create and it's it's he's been yeah. prolific because of that. Yeah. I mean the power he, the power of your outlook, the power of your mind. Yeah. What you want to achieve, what you want to do. I mean, I believe that. I know you believe that. I believe that myself as well. Yes. And Adrian is someone that's just like exemplifying that and also communicating it. And in interviews, he's talked about this outlook as well and this perspective sort of thing. And yes, sir. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, that's how, this is how you do it. Like, I mean, yeah, there mm -hmm. is luck in everything you do, I think, you know, but like you say, you do create luck by, you know, as a consequence of your, of your own actions and outlook and exactly. perspectives and stuff like that. He's putting in the work before. Yeah. He's not saying, well, I don't get to work with Ali Shaheed Muhammad now. I'm just, yeah, uh, whatever. You know, he's, yeah. he's like, I'm going to create this album. Yeah. And now these people want to work with him because he already created it. Yeah. You know, yeah. product of his own work, yeah. creating his own value. Yeah. You know, showing people that he cares about what he cares about. And other people respond to that with conviction. Yeah. You know, he has conviction over what he's creating and other that, that's communicating. Conviction, yeah. That's a huge I, word that I've been thinking about a lot. Yeah. I think that is, uh, well, if you're thinking about it in a different way, it's like, it's, yeah, conviction, also confidence, right? Like, you know, if you, um, if you, <laughs> if you go to anyone, like a professional kind of thing, mm. and, and if you feel like that you don't know what they're doing, you're going to be a bit nervous, right? You yeah. Know, you're like, mm, is this the right thing to do? Is this where yeah. I should be? Why am I here? But if they have conviction and confidence in what they're doing, then you're going to be like, okay, you know, you're not only just going to be like, yes, I, I, I think this is the right person, but you're also going to be like, oh, this guy's inspiring. I want to follow. <laughs> right. Like having, having conviction yeah. puts a wall against all the other distractions around you. Mm -hmm. You have convictions like this is what we're doing. You're part of it or you're not, yeah. but I'm going this way. Yeah. You can follow me or not. Yeah. If you don't have conviction, it's, well, yeah, that's kind of a good idea. That's a good idea too. I don't yeah. know what I'm doing. What's going to happen? You that, don't know. And that was some of the examples he said. You know, it's like, well, if you want to be a president of the United States, then drop what you're doing and focus on it. If you right. if you want to be an actor and be in movies, then drop what you're doing and focus on it. Mm -hmm. uh, he said it in that way: drop what you're doing and focus on it. Do it. Like, I, and and that was that's something that really resonated with me. It was like, um, yeah, drop what you're doing drop and focus on it like this really is that it's simple simple that. enough yeah it sounds simple yeah again this guy's doing it the hard way and and, and that that means a lot yeah it yeah. not to say you have to do it the hard way if you have pro tools if you have logic yeah if you have audacity <laughs> if you have the audacity <laughs> do you well, have the audacity well I, I mean you know the the the, the daw audacity though i know uh mr I mean, grooves uh, audio <laughs> podcasts are edited on audacity for real yeah so okay. there you go and uh, that's free as far as i know <laughs> it's free <laughs> so everyone out there use audacity i i, I used that when you know, i was in high school yeah you know, the only reason i use it is because it's 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 quick and it's simple and it does one thing mm -hmm. instead of opening anything else i just like even it's not about it's being free it's just like it's just 
it's a wave editor mm -hmm. and, and those things are weird, hard to come by just yeah open up the sound file let me edit it and let me save it like simple it. <laughs> audacity yeah. knows what it is and yeah. it's not trying to be anything it's not exactly yeah. there you go yeah so uh yeah moving on after electronic void in 2016 he comes out with adrian young presents black dynamite original motion soundtrack i guess he re-released it okay i don't know about that in 2018 yeah that's cool released it again whatever reason also 2018 comes out with adrian young presents 12 reasons to die one mm -hmm. so i don't know i was having i was trying to figure out what was going on because he released 12 reasons to die two before there's an instrumental version as well i picked up on vinyl the instrumental version of uh 12 reasons to die two really i think yeah there's so many versions there's like a one and a two i think i have two in version two in uh instrumental only um and so this is where he's working with ghostface killer yeah um and you know i don't know rizza as well right Raekwon. So, um spend a little bit of that because uh it's uh this is kind of like this is hip-hop but adrian young style yeah for real Fatal night, Lester and his men robbed one of the DeLuca clan social clubs, discovering 12 vinyl records hidden within a safe. That is a story in itself. That I mean, album, if you listen to it through with the lyrics. So there is a little bit of a story there because uh, I think 12 Reasons to Die was by the same name, it was a comic book series, okay. I think. Yeah. So there was kind of a, a character there, and so it's kind of a concept album. Yeah, yeah, and I was trying to I was trying to pull it up because I, I read about it before, but I, I, I pulled up this little paragraph. Um, the album story is set in the 1960s Italy of a character named Ghostface Killer, mm. Tony Starks, which isn't Tony Stark, which is, um, is Iron it? Man. Oh, okay, but yeah, different. This is Tony Starks, not the same. Mm -hmm. Um. So he's like an enforcer of the DeLuca crime family. So he's like a gangster. Yeah, yeah, um, Who's murdered by his former employee after striking out on his own and, and falling in love with the Kingpin's daughter. Mm. So, I mean, I guess that's... That's, that's a whole movie. Like, he's right. very... Uh, so it's a cinematic kind of idea, concept. Yeah. Where he's kind of... Again, he's he has... I, I feel like Adrian kind of goes with this cinematic themes all the time right like storylines he's just making these cool hip-hop tracks but it's kind of yeah. cinematically for a soundtrack for a movie and he yeah. he kind of kind of seems to keep going back to that wonder, for whatever reason i wonder if he'll ever make a movie like a fictional movie i feel like he's or something. i feel like that's what he's building up to because it's like he's he it feels like he's doing it sonically right but not visually not yeah yet. yeah and he does have a background in making films and, and doing stuff like that. I mean, this guy's so. still young. I think we're going to see a lot of cool stuff from him in the future. Yeah, yeah. So stay tuned. So. Stay tuned. After? It, oh, yeah, what? I was going to say, in the meanwhile, uh, apologies to YouTube viewers. The cameras uh, have died at this point. Oh. Oof. But it's okay. You can't see what I'm doing on camera right you now. You don't need to see our face. You can't see. That's not the, the content we Can want. Can you see what I'm doing right now? No. Oh, you don't want to see that, guys. You don't want to see that. 
but we can keep going for a little bit longer. The okay. audio is still running, so yeah. I mean, so yeah. I mean, let's get to the let's let's move on. 2018, Adrian Young presents Voices of Gemma. Okay. G e m m a. I don't think it's Gemma. I think I'm just Gemma. guessing Gemma. <laughs> um, again, I think it's mostly Adrian Young yeah. on this, and it's super cool. I like the album cover. Mm. It's like I don't know. It's a guy and a girl or two ladies. Um, but the lighting's really cool. Yeah. The the image speaks to me. Yeah. It looks cool to me. I like it. And there's cool tracks on here. Mm. Um, I don't know. I really like the album cover is what I'm saying. But again, more good music from Adrian. Yeah. Um, and then moving on, 2019, Adrian Young presents Jack Watterson. Um, who's, he's working with Jack Watterson with an album. Same kind of style. Adrian's producing music for Jack Watterson. Yeah. You know, kind of working together. Mm. Um, and I, don't, I didn't listen to a ton of stuff off this, did you? Uh, no, I uh, like I say, he has so much stuff out. That, no, there's like, there's um, no way. I mean, like you, like I, I think like my first, um, I, I don't know. I don't always say it's my first exposure to Adrian Young, but it, it might have been. Was this a uh, video? It was a black and white video produced by this website called Nowness dot com. Mm-hmm. which I think is actually owned by like some big fashion brand or some something like that. Um, but they made this really cool black and white film about him and it was all about um, his studio and his analog process and how, mm. how he does stuff like that. And um, cool. I, was, I was super drawn and inspired by that. And I think that's where I first caught on to his sound. And then, and then from there I, I explored various recordings of his sort of thing and albums. So yeah, I mean, at this point, like, <laughs> there's just so much, like, I would just, actually, I would just have a party and just spin every album of it. I would just spin his discography sort of thing. Mm, give me back. an invite. I'm going to that party. There you go, yeah. I'll be down. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, because, like, right now, he's uh, releasing all, he's just dropping album after album of this um, comp, of this uh, sort of session called Jazz is Dead. And uh, it's right. 2020, and he's released one, two, three, four five drops and each of these albums have like fucking 10 tracks or something within them yeah so it's kind of a series yeah and they're all like you know there's a lot of other musicians on these recordings as well um i think what he was doing so these all started coming out in 2020 yeah i think it's a series he was developing looking into the future yeah and he started working with all these different artists i think so 2020 jazz is dead zero zero one yeah is the first installment and it's uh eight tracks featuring different artists right i think all of them he made with ali shaheed muhammad mm-hmm. and then it's it's adrian and ali shaheed working with one a different artist on each track mm-hmm. and then the subsequent albums that are released are the same producers adrian and yeah. ali shaheed but each album is featuring the artist the whole way through so the first one the <laughs> first one is like a compilation yeah. of each artist and then yes, we each got, subsequent uh, release is a whole album featuring the producers with that whole artist all the way through. Got it. So you got like Marcus Vale on one, Azimuth on another, mm-hmm. Doug Khan, and then... Um, yeah, Roy Ayers. Gary Bartz. Doug Karn. Edition. Yeah. Shit. And there's this one called... Oh, there's a Lauren Oden collaboration that also came out this year my heart my love 
So like in 2020, oh my God, there's like so many things. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's popping stuff out. Like he probably released something tonight that we're, it's not even, <laughs> it's about to be uploaded on the spot right now. Just refresh like, your browser. Every week. Yeah, it's like <laughs> something new. No, actually, yeah, because I, I noticed this as well. Because I, when I put the drop together, I, was, I, I see all the new releases for the artists. Yeah, check tracking. out the drop on signalradio.com. It's sick. There you go, the drop. And uh, um, yeah, I on that show my attempt is to play my curated uh, selection of all the new releases that have come out mm-hmm. um within the time frame of the last show and the next show and uh yeah every week without fail every time i'm checking my shit uh adrian young is uh constantly popping up with stuff there's so, there's yeah. something for everybody with adrian young yeah yeah for sure so i mean and that that kind of the latest thing is 2020 doug karn jid 005 yeah you know yeah, yeah, yeah jazz is dead series yeah so i mean that that kind of brings us up to the present that's the latest thing he's released yeah as far as i'm as far as i see yeah um yeah i don't know yeah i'm, got, I'm seeing I, what I can, is i got in a moment when we're ready to end i'm gonna play us out with uh the track called jazz is dead um dope. which i think is fitting because there's so many releases off of that and there's mm-hmm. a track actually called jazz is dead so we'll play that but um yeah i just want to say that andrew young is just very very inspiring person the other thing i want to say is because he is an entertainment lawyer the other thing he said is he's able to review all of his own contracts himself like just (laughs) just fucking crazy just doing all in-house yeah all analog i'll do all the 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 legal stuff yeah all the producing I didn't even know he was an, uh, an attorney lawyer. Actually, he said when he was um, in, like, that was his original thing. He said his original aspiration is he, when he was in college is he wanted to be a politician and an hmm. attorney. And, uh, and and he said he went and his, like, he, he took political science. And um, in his first week, he went to a rally, a, a the DNC rally, and he said he went there, and he said like, "This is whack." <laughs> it's like, uh, nah, no. Like, he like he wanted to do that stuff to help his uh, to help his musicians. Actually, he didn't mm-hmm. even say his community. He said to help musicians, to help music friends, which is very interesting. Like he that he took law in order to help music people. Again, he's not taking yeah. the easy ra- ra- <laughs> the way out in any way. way. No way. He literally got a yeah. law degree. <laughs> he literally, literally <laughs> went and did that. That's probably why it took 10 years from his first release to, to everything else. Yeah. Because he did that. He just took the time out. He's like, I'm going to get a law degree. And once it's been done, he, I mean, it's been yeah. like every year just busting stuff yeah. out, multiple like, albums per year. Yeah, like this guy knows what he's doing. And, um, uh, you know, so, yeah, like, um, yeah. So the political stuff, like, I mean, who knows? Like he's, he, maybe he'll re-venture into it's not, that. It's not too late. How old I, is this guy? He's he's barely like maybe 40, maybe? Yeah, I think he's like 30s or something like that. It seems like. But Keep like, talking, I'll look it up. Yeah, I mean, to like seeing that he has like a film background, has ventured into film, is doing these very like cinematic albums. He's, he's he has 42. A, he's 42. And he has a, a, a law degree and... So he was a legit attorney and, um, and he thought about 
like politics originally and he hasn't done that yet like this guy could end up going and off for making movies and maybe becoming president i Who don't knows? doubt it i don't <laughs> doubt it and he would have my vote <laughs> he would have my vote yeah <laughs> well shit i mean i that's all that's all i got on this guy you got anything else that's it. I mean, let's wrap it up. That uh, let's play out with Jazz is dead and, right. and and just say that everything we just said about this guy is super inspiring. I would encourage everyone to check out some interviews with him. It was very fun in um, researching this guy and and seeing what yeah. he's all about. Like, because not only is his music like legitimately like in my wheelhouse of shit that I love and mm -hmm. everything like that, like. He's also got just a perspective about doing things and about life that is just. Um, I think it should be very inspiring to a lot of people. Yeah. Especially a lot of people that might now be like losing their way or feeling lost because of COVID. And mm -hmm. Especially if you're creative and not sure, sure what to do or what direction to go in and stuff like that. It's just, uh, just heed the words of Adrian Young, which is just really, truly believe in yourself first and then execute on the ideas that you have. Yeah. And move forward and... I mean, he's, he's a testament to you know, yeah. create the value yeah. and, and you will get the, the luck, quote unquote, that you want. Yeah. Um, you know, he's manifesting what he wants and it seems to be working for him and he's, he's an inspiration to me. Yeah. And I didn't know about him until, um, until this research. It was, it was your choice. It was a Jay yeah, Purcell yeah. choice there you go, yeah. for this episode. Yeah. So yeah. I was super happy to um, put this guy into my world. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, I mean... If you guys have any other information or any corrections or anything that we got wrong or you any other cool stories about Adrian Young, hit us up. What's the email you got? Reach2grooves at G... Uh, Reach2grooves at signalradio.com. Boom. S-I-G-N-L radio.com. And that's Roots 2 like no number two. Like that's R-O-O-T-S-T-O-G-R-O-O-P-E-S. That's how you spell Boom. it, right? Yeah. Degrees at gmail.com. Not gmail. Oh, motherfucker. Anyway. Oh, Jay. <laughs> anyway, you guys got it. You got it. All right. Um, yeah. Rooster Grooves at signalradio.com. Hit us up. Jay, play us out. Yeah. Adrian Young, guys. This is Rooster Grooves. Thank you. We'll catch you next time. Right. Roots to Grooves is a production of Signal Radio. For more music and independent culture, visit signalradio.com. That's S-I-G-N-L radio.com.